I'm Nina van Tolberg for Bez News. Wissi Mamani from Baldwin, South Africa, is currently touring the United States, and we caught up with him in Boston, of all places, to hear about his trip and why he is in the USA. Hi, Wissi. How are you? I'm good, thanks, and you, uh, Linda, and it's great to be in the U.S. and certainly looking forward to be home uh, in the next while. So thank you for having me. So why? Why are you there? Firstly, I think um, the U.S. is a very significant partner for South African trade. I certainly believe without a shadow of a doubt that the history that South Africa and certainly a city like Boston share require that continuous relationship to be upheld. And uh, it's great not only to meet South Africans who are here, but also to be in the heartbeat of uh, great universities like Harvard and MIT in fostering relations between South Africa and that. And so part of my reason for being here is also being able to say, how do we, heading towards a very crucial election in South Africa, ensure that those partnerships are continued? Because sometimes I think Americans can hear a story about South Africa that says, forget about it, it's out of, it's it's going one way and it's not a good way, or they hear negative stories about farm murders, etc. I'm here to tell a story that says, actually, South Africa is still committed to partnership with the broader West. We want to continue trade, and I want to ensure that we're part of a generation of South Africans who who are much more inclusive in our approach. So it's been a great, great trip. I've loved being here. I've loved, even despite the weather, I've certainly had a good time being here. Well, South Africa's attitude towards Israel is very different to that of the United States over Gaza. And there has been a diplomatic spat recently with the U.S. over the Lady R. Was that discussed? How do the Americans feel about the fact that the current government seems to have a bit of a um, animosity towards the West? Yeah, and I, and I think part of why I'm here is to also say that that is that may be the views held narrowly by the ANC, certainly in their positioning on Russia, etc., but it is not the view that is reflective of all of South Africans and certainly not the position that's taken by the South African parliament. What is clear is the fact that South Africa's diplomatic relations need to be restored back to what Nelson Mandela stood for, which is human rights and trade. And when you look at the nature of our relations with the U.S., AGOA still plays a very significant role in South Africa. And so from a trade relations, that's still crucial. We share common language in some ways as as, as South Africa and, and the U.S., and also furthermore, that um, we've got to ensure that we are continuing to partner together in fighting human rights. And so I really do think that part of why I'm also here was to connect with a very good friend of mine, uh, Professor Ricardo Hausman, who wrote a report recently about the state of where South Africa is at. And one of the things that he highlights is that the capability of the state has been destroyed in South Africa. And part of why I wanted to make sure that we, we we meet, certainly, and come here is to say, can we restore that state capability because that holds part of the key to South Africa's uh, prosperity going forward. So it's about fixing the politics, fixing the state. And the reason I'm here is to say, don't presume that the positions that are being emitted by the current government are the permanent positions that will carry South Africa through. I certainly think that a new government and a new generation of leaders will think in the interest of South Africa, will fight to protect human rights and continue the partnership, not only with the West, but creating a strong Africa and how it participates in 
in geopolitical conversations. How was your message received? Are they happy to hear that there's another, um, there are leaders now who think differently than the present government? And I think it's been quite a welcoming and a very, very positive visit. For one, I think, I, th- I think for me, even as a South African, it's been so great to recalibrate or reconnect with Mandela's relationship, not only with the city of Boston and the state here, but it's also been great to connect with uh, many African-Americans here who are doing an incredible work in their communities and upliftment and grappling with similar issues as South Africans that we hear about inequality, etc. So it's been a great learning experience, not only for me, but also a partnership building moment here. So so I think the message is well received. I think that it's 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 as the American politics can ebb and flow depending on who occupies public office and certainly the White House. People are also aware of the fact that just because South Africa, South Africa enters into a very important election. And I think the views of the ANC don't reflect that of the broader South African population. And so that message is well heard and a connection of new leaders to chart a, a different future for South Africa and a new future. Are you also raising funds while you are there for BASA? Many ways I'm connecting with South Africans here and inviting them uh, in different ways to make a contribution all over the world. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, so you're not there on a fundraising drive? Not particularly to Boston. I've met different people. We've met, uh, we're here to build partnerships here in South Africa. So so that's that's why I'm here. Yeah. Are you visiting other cities? Are you going to Washington? I started off in Washington. Uh, we've had a, I, I went to the capital, had a number of meetings there. We n- met um, a number of key think tanks in Washington to have a conversation with. And so it's been it's been two days in Washington, two days in, in Boston, and now I'll be heading back to South Africa. Um, given the fierce battle at the moment in the U.S. between the Democrats and Republicans, and it seems it's going to be a Trump versus Biden fight, um, what looks like it now, um, well, what can you take from that back to South Africa with us also having a, an election? Democracy is a very important thing. Accountability is, but also that issues in the world. Uh, President Clinton once said it so wisely when he said, elections are really a referendum about the future. And the future of the US is on, in many ways on the ballot come this election and democratic practice because, you know, even though there, there's been a history of democratic ins- institutions here, the fragility, if you reflect back on events on January 6th and many others, reflect on how quickly that can easily turn. So when I reflect on the elections here, one of the key lessons that we've got to take away is, as political leaders, we need to swim into and, and swim into discussions that are difficult, but also centrist people need to speak to emotive issues that voters feel. If voters have concerns about immigration, it's no use leaders shying away from them. It opens doors for populists to come through. There's a genuine global issue about inequality where many citizens are feeling left out of the broader global uh, prosperity. We've got to talk about inclusion and how we ensure that happens. Because if people who are sensible do not talk about those things, it makes it possible for populists to come in and offer fairly simplistic solutions to complicated issues, raising up people's emotions, ending up being elected, and then we end up with governments that are not working. 
So it's going to be important, as in South Africa, we have an immigration problem, we have an inequality problem. You can't just leave it up to extremists, whether it's the EFF or anyone else. You've got to come in yourself in leadership and say, what is your view, your views on immigration and how can we make sure that stays on the ballot for people to vote for a government that protects human rights, fights against dictators, ensures that there's proper immigration laws, but also talk about economic issues and how more and more people can be included in a prosperous vision for South Africa. We have to talk into those things. If you don't, you really uh, leave the door wide open for a populist government to come through. Well, it seems that what you're doing there is more looking at the broader, if I can call it, framework of democracy and, and what makes the world tick than the issues of South Africa, which is load shedding and the coalition governments and stuff like that. Um, do, do you think it's important, like a, a country like America, people are worried about democracy and what's going to happen to democracy. Do you think it's important that we think of the bigger things and not only the issues that affect us every day? The, the, the bigger things do matter in the everyday life. You know, if South Africa was, for argument's sake, lose its partnership with AGOA, it would have profound consequences on the employability of and, 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 and South Africa's ability to create more jobs. If South Africa continues to be seen from a foreign policy point of view, kowtowing to people who, for argument's sake, are dictators and are acting in an undemocratic ways, it makes the flow of capital into South Africa very difficult from an investment point of view. So these issues, as much as they are geopolitical, will have net consequence on the fact that there are some serious issues. And to the point that you make about energy and all of that, it's also important to reflect that um, countries all over the world face energy crisis for different reasons. Now, there must be a genuine conversation about how we can bring more environmentally sustainable energy and what are the lessons that other parts of the world have come through on that issue. It's going to be important that when we look at even what is going to be the next crisis in South Africa, which is on water, how do we deal with water resources? I happen to have done a tour here while I was in Boston looking at uh, at Nubian Square and how a community of Roxbury is busy trying to uh, restore itself and bring strength. That's an important lesson, even as it mirrors the township economy in South Africa and how do we make sure our historical townships uh, that were set up in the apartheid spatial era are also being able to be up, both investment can come through and what kind of leadership do you need in there? So that the, the, sometimes I think we are exceptional in South Africa, but also at the same time, we need to remind ourselves that the challenges we face are not unique to us. There are also parts of the world that are dealing with some of these challenges and in other parts have found solutions for them. We've got to be able to not only learn from those, but be able to engage in dialogue about how do we fix these issues. And then lastly, we are all joined collectively. You think about an issue like climate change. South Africa has a massive opportunity to be able to say, as we sit in South Africa, as more interventions are taking place in South Africa, as the world transitions into a more battery-led technology in South Africa with its minerals, how do we then set up mechanisms there in South Africa to be the battery hub, to be the place that can help the global society move in this uh, environmental uh, conversation and climate change. So these issues are not are, are not to be set apart from each other. They're important in how they deal with both countries. Also, um, the Americans are mentioning the fact that there would soon be a decision at the International Court of Justice on Israel and South Africa's case against it. Yeah, and again, you know, that's a position that the NC has taken 
and has taken Israel to the international criminal, uh, uh, to the ICJ. I think that actually we need to remind ourselves that like many people in the world, we still all stand for a two-state solution. We still hold the absolute sense that uh, it's going to be important that we have a ceasefire in the Middle East. It's going to be important that we come back to a negotiated settlement that achieves that two-state solution. And I think that's a common view amongst many right-thinking people in the world. And I think to sort of polarize it in that way has not been helpful in, in being able to find a quick resolution. And also to think there is a degree of hypocrisy that, they, that the ANC government is taking on this issue, given that they've built relationships with dictators and people who do not care for human rights, who do not in many ways protect people, whether it's former leaders in Venezuela or many other dictators in Africa who have killed their own people. If we're going to be consistent on principle, we need to be such all the time and not be selective about which cases we choose. Well, can we turn to politics back home and the election that's taking place later this year? What is Build One South Africa to build out the party, to increase membership and to launch a manifesto where you tell voters what you stand for? I see you've got new appointments. You've got a former spokesperson for Fakile Mbalulo is now working for you. Are you are you expanding? What's happening? Yeah, absolutely. We are on the growth path, and and I'm quite excited about our project. I, I say this to you, Linda, and we're probably the only party on the ballot that represents all South Africans. We're not going on onto the ballot to be a black party, a white party, an Indian party, a colored party, a religious party or any of those issues. We are contesting for ideas. We are furthermore saying that let the people be able to directly elect their people, and we've shown the success in that when you look at the diversity on our lists. We've also, the only party in many ways, as we've been growing in all nine provinces, and I feel confident that as we head towards this election, it's going to be a great one in how we work in building that central, that center of South African politics so that we can become the anchor tenant in a coalition government that should take place after that. So I'm feeling quite conf confident. And South Africans like Ayanda, who you mentioned, who worked in a diverse range of spaces, whether in media, television, a very articulate woman in her own right and a powerful leader, songwriter, uh, is coming to work with us. And there are many more like her. Uh, she's She had perhaps maybe enjoy media attention. But there are many more like her who are lawyers, who are uh, activists for human rights, who have come on, who come from communities. Because we've said politics is far too important to just be left to politicians. So let's find the best talent across the country and have it come and represent the people in parliament. And Ayanda's is one of those. And um, you've not closed the door on possible negotiations with the multi-party charter? No, uh, we have not. But we're, we're alive to the fact that even if the multi-party charter achieves all that it wants to achieve, it still does not get over 50%. All of the voters who are sitting in the middle need a home that they can give expression to the vote for, and we believe we are that home, and we can be able to speak to the multi-party charter post the elections. That's still an option that is available, and in fact will be an important option to, to consider. But if you want to try and get 51%, we have to put as many vehicles possible on the ballot a sufficient number so that voters have a place where they can cast their votes and then we can create a coalition that then brings change post the elections. Mr. thank you so much. We're going to let you go and stay warm. Linda, thank you very much. It's getting better and I'm, I'm, miss, I'm missing home, so I look forward to getting home. <laughs> I can imagine. Thank we you. We have a manifesto launch on 
a jobs launch on Sunday. So I'm really looking forward to to that conversation and being yeah, able be to back. communicate to South Africa on jobs and how that goes. So we start is to it, travel. Is, are you going to be back? Absolutely. I wouldn't oh. do it virtually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much and thanks for speaking to us. No, I appreciate it. Linda. Thank you so much.